welcome to the latest in our Alliance live broadcast series. Um, I am Sarah Redmond from the Alliance and today I am joined by Callum Irving, who is the head of the third sector unit for Scottish Government. Callum is responsible for a team which invests in and develops policy to support social enterprise, volunteering, charities, and a generally a strengthened role for the third sector in contributing to the national performance framework. Prior to Scottish Government, Callum has worked in a range of third sector organisations and most recently he was director of CME, Scotland's Mental Health Anti-Stigma Programme. Callum, welcome. I am delighted that you were able to join us today um, for this Alliance Live interview. I can only imagine how busy you are at Scottish Government at the moment. Um, so just to begin, um, I, was, um, I was hoping you would be able to share with our members um, what is the role of the third sector unit in Scottish Government and what would you describe the priorities as being at the moment? Thanks, thanks for having me uh, along, Sarah, or at least along in our own rooms at this point in time. But um, I'm, I'm pleased that I can take a wee bit of time to answer some questions and perhaps maybe to inject some of the thinking ahead on, on all of this, because it's clearly been, as you say, a really busy time. And no, in normal times, the third sector unit would, would be in that space of thinking about what the sector needs um, and what support we, we can provide through, for example, through policy developments, but also through the, the third sector infrastructure organisations that, that we support normally. And, and of course, this has been a time where everything's gone so fast that there, there hasn't been so much of that time for that kind of way of working. So things in the past that you'd be familiar with, like the volunteering outcomes framework and the social enterprise strategy, those are big exercises with a lot of uh, collaboration around them and a lot of uh, intense work goes into them. We've gone very fast recently. And what, what's happened at the moment is, is a lot of things in truth have been paused while we switch very quickly. We, had, we were really um, thrust into the limelight early on, particularly in light of new funds that needed to be developed, which I'm sure we'll end up talking about today and also in terms of the volunteering uh, response of the country at the same time. So really we've, we've, we've had to change very quickly, but at the same time continuing to support those organisations that we would normally support because it's important that they remain in business because a lot of what they do is, is supporting the third sector. So that's been the kind of the, the three parts of what we're doing at the moment. Thank you. That's, that's helpful, I think, just to give our, our members a, a sense of, of the unit's priorities and how it fits within um, Scottish Government's other policy um, areas. From your um, perspective, do you feel you'd be able to give us um, a sense of what you are learning the impact um, has been on the third sector um, and, and the staff and the volunteers who work for the third sector? So, I mean, I think there's a, there's a number of different things and, and, and we'll, we'll clearly, what we want to do going ahead is a bit more um, analysis and, a bit, and take a bit more feedback about impacts on the sector, particularly thinking about what's needed for the future. Um, but certainly, um, 
are at a very positive level. The sector, and, and, and I'll know, I know this from my own experience, is, is, is very able to respond very quickly, it adapts very quickly, and that's not an easy thing to do, but it's impressive how many organisations have made that adaptation to, to home-based working, or even change services, for example, I've noticed that a lot of the support is for mental health and mental well-being support, and clearly that's involved a big, a big shift to go away from kind of you know, kind of face-to-face -face activity to online-based activity and different new ways of working, really, in, in, in really just a matter of days, weeks. Um, so the adaptation is very quick, but so is the, the collaboration as well. A lot of barriers have been torn down very quickly in this last period. And a lot of organisations, particularly at the local level, have worked together very well, helping each other out, working with local, local organisations like the TSI and community anchor organisations. That's happened very quickly. But there's clearly also, and, and we are getting this from the funds through which we've supported the sector, there's a huge financial need there as well. And that's still there now. So, and that, that is, like, like much of the rest of the country, that is one of the most significant impacts of this, this crisis and indeed the lockdown that we're currently still in. Thank you. Um, yes, I think um, your answer very much chimes with a lot of the information that we've been gathering from our members as well, um, both as you say around the speed and agility with which the sector has responded, um, but also um, as you were saying that the huge financial pressure um, and uncertainty facing the sector just now. Um, um, okay, and, and um, and I guess, you know, just as a, as a final kind of introductory um, question, I wonder whether you could, you, you spoke there about some of the financial support that, um, that your unit has been um, um, instrumental in, in um, establishing. Um, I wonder whether you could give us a, an overview of the support that's been put in place for the mm -hmm. sector. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's a number of different things, some of which my team is responsible for, but also I think what's been good is that other parts of government have, have responded as well and um, because it's been such a huge, huge size of effort. So, for example, one of the most recent things is that charity rate, if you're in receipt of charitable rate relief, um, then you're eligible for the small business grants. And that's, so that's been opened up to those in receipt. That's quite an important move um, that I hope everybody is aware of and, and want to, to look up. Um, there's also, of course, people will be more familiar with the furlough scheme, the job retention scheme. Now, it won't, it won't work for everybody, um, but it is an important part of um, supporting the sustainability of organisations. And of course, that includes third sector as well. In terms of the specific funds, very early on in, in the situation, Scottish government officials across different teams were able to allocate um, what, what we call immediate priorities, i.e. requests that were coming in where folk were able to adapt very quickly. That was done very, very quickly um, whilst new funds were being set up. And one of the first funds that was set up was the Third Sector Resilience Fund, which was particularly addressing cash flow. That's 25 million now that's gone up to. The well-being fund in total, the well-being fund is split up in, in different parts to it, um, but totals 50 million. And the, the part that's open just now, this week, in fact, a useful time to plug this in case people don't know, 
But the deadline for the current round of the Wellbeing Fund is, is Friday at noon. So that's its second round and it's receiving um, applications as we speak. So if you're not aware of that, I'd encourage you to go and have a look at that on the SCVO website. And then there's another fund called the Support and Communities Fund, which is about 40 million and that's done via colleagues in regeneration. And what they're doing is, is they're working closely with community anchor organizations and that's been, that fund's been allocated, been allocated in a way that ensures that a lot of grassroots activity can be supported very quickly. So, so there's, there's quite a lot and, and it may, may be confusing sometimes because there's so many different funds, but um, what's, what I think has proven helpful is, is, is making sure that all of the information is brought together on the ACVO, um, Coronavirus Hub. So that's where I'd recommend people go for a bit more information. SEVO have, have been good at keeping that up to date as quickly as possible. Yes, no, that's, I think that's really helpful. Um, also highlighting where the best, um, some of the, the, the avenues through which people can find um, information about what is available. Um, and and the um, SEVO, the COVID Information Hub, is is that also will that also have information for people about like the small business um, relief fund and the um, job retention scheme and that, the worker support as well? That's right, absolutely. I mean, we we've been working closely with SEVO to ensure that, for example, with things like furlough, where where there's been things that have been we might not have anticipated problems with it and so on that, that we've tried to clarify where possible and then update that with SEVO so they make changes as they go along. But SEVO have been scoping all sorts of issues and putting that on their website. I should add as well that it's got in a lot of in really good information about independent funders working together and what funds they've made available too. That's really helpful. Thanks, Callum. Um, I should say as well that um, we have received some questions from um, our membership as well, which um, I'm, I'm uh, drawing upon in our um, the questions I'm posing to you. So um, if you will permit me, I've got um, a question here um, from one of our members, um, which and they're wondering what support Scottish Government is planning for larger third sector organisations who may be quite rapidly using up um, their reserves and there's a risk then about um, their sustainability. Um, there was a feeling, I think, um, not just from this question, um, but also we've, we've picked up that for some, they've perhaps maybe fallen through the gaps um, with some of the funding support that's been available. Um, I, I wonder whether you would have any response for, for that individual. I think um, I think I think it would would be fair to say that, for example, with things like the, the third sector resilience fund, it is at a smaller scale, and of course, with it being, um, or rather, it's not at a small scale, but it's supporting perhaps more smaller organisations, um, which, if you like, is perhaps closer to what my my, my team is able to support. So, um, in in that sense, I could see that point uh, being made. I think what's important, there's two things that are important to emphasise is that early on a lot of policy colleagues from across Scottish Government were trying to address some of those needs with a variety of organisations. For example, money was made available to ensure um, things were in place like emergency homeless accommodation during the crisis to make sure that there was an expansion, for example, um, via women's aid and so on as well. So, 
kind of support like that was expanded quite early on. But of course, that the, the sector is huge and has many diverse needs, and and it's 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 going to be very tough to to be able to cover all of those needs. But what I would say is is that. Um, for larger organisations, that they make sure to 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 be in touch with the the policy colleagues that they're normally in touch with, and are having that conversation. Um, if they see problems coming ahead, that's going to be really important. And if it's an organisation that perhaps doesn't have, um, if you like, a, a policy lead that would go to whether it's in health and social care or children and families or whatever. If, if they, we're very happy to take inquiries, we will try to find the right person for you uh, uh, to talk to, because we recognise that not everybody will relate to a, a policy person in Scottish government. So we'll try to help to, to route those inquiries for you. That's really helpful, Callum. Um, and yes, no, and I think it is really helpful for people knowing where they can turn to if, um, as you were saying, decisions are having to be made, you know, at such a pace and learning is also having to be made um, and, and, and decisions then adapted. So it's really helpful, I think, for our members to know where they can address any concerns that they might be having. Um, okay, so moving on, um, I was interested in, and you touched upon this um, in your assessment of the impact on the sector when you were saying that something that's really struck you has been the extent of the collaboration um, with between the, the third sector and um, colleagues in other sectors. And, and I think your, your phrase was barriers being torn down. Um, and I wonder whether you could tell us more about your, um, you know, the, the uh, um, information that you've been gathering about the collaboration and the partnership working that has been happening between, you know, those people working in policy um, and the statutory sector and um, the third sector. Yes, I mean, I think, I think, I think the the um, the wellbeing fund has been very interesting, and we'll, we'll really look to get a lot of of, of learning from that. Um, and there's different ways that you could have designed any of these funds. As I say, some speed was sometimes of the essence, but nevertheless, what's actually happened with the Wellbeing Fund is that um, national partners like like Cora Foundation and ACVO have worked very closely with our local infrastructure organisations, the third sector interfaces. And what's I think what's been interesting about that is the ability to share local intelligence with national partners and to work together on, on funding decisions. So I think clearly TSIs know the sector locally, CORA are experienced funders. So I think um, that, that will be interested to learn from that, um, how that has worked. But my early imp impression is, and there's still a lot of road to travel, is that in many ways it's worked quite well. There's lots of good data coming out about, um, about the spread of support across Scotland. So it's got a good Scottish-wide coverage. It's also, it, seem, it would seem as though from the early stuff that I'm looking at, that it looks as though it's been good at supporting in areas of deprivation as well. So there'll be a lot to, to come from this in terms of learning that we don't, we don't really have yet. But certainly in terms of sometimes working nationally and locally, that, that doesn't always mesh together as best as, as we would like. But um, there'll be things like that that we want to learn from this, this recent period and, then, and, and to hold on to, to try and keep some of that spirit going. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yes, no, I think that's, and, and I know that um, from previous occasions where you and I have worked together, that as you were saying, that mesh between um, the, the, the kind of national approach and, and decision making at a national level and the, um, the need for that local response um, doesn't always um, happen in such successful ways. So that's, that's really good to hear. Um, and, and, you know, you and I both know that the third sector often engages with people in communities that, um, you know, mainstream services might not and um, can pick up really important information and intelligence about how people are, are managing at the time. And do you feel that the ability of the third sector to gather that intelligence, that information um, is being actively sought and listened to during this this crisis um i think i think again it's it, it's quite early it's quite early to say but i think in terms of in terms of the responsiveness and for example even even supermarkets working with local volunteers for example local organizations working together there's been a been a growth in mutual aid societies uh, uh, coming together to, to provide support at an organic level. So I think there's been a real mix of activity. It's probably quite early to say, you know, how how collaborative has all of that been? But the, certainly I think it's a fair impression to say that there has been more collaboration, that there has been some working together, for example, in volunteering supported by local authorities, supported by TSIs and by the national um, by the national campaign as well. So I think it, it's, it's the kind of thing where it may take time to fully digest all of that, but for the time being, you can certainly see it in the, in, in the response that's happening in a lot of communities around the country. And I think, I think that's the important thing for now, is, is, is the response there? Are people benefiting from that? And I think, I think the answer to that is yes. Um, and, and I guess thinking then about, as, as, as you're saying, like the response um, and um, thinking slightly ahead towards the um, recovery phase and, and the kind of new normal, I guess, as it's often been referred to. Um, what um, efforts do you see the third sector, what role, I guess, do you see the third sector having in supporting some of the, um, the the volunteering efforts that are being spoken about. Yeah, I think I think that's going. It's going to be the third sector in general and volunteering in particular are going to be a, need to be a huge part of that. Um, what what you might call a recovery and, and renewal phase. I think think it's important we think about that, but we've got to be careful not to be. Um, too too early to think about it in in some ways you know we're still in the in in the midst of the of, the, of a crisis right at this point in time, but clearly it's going to play a very important role. So for example, in the Scotland Cares campaign, the, the response was so overwhelming that recruitment was paused. But my colleagues are considering and talking to people about you know how how that how people who have have offered help but maybe haven't taken up a, a role so far, you know, we will need them to play a role going forward. And e even before you get to what you might call a renewal phase, but in a kind of the next phase of this whole situation, for example, as we move into more test testing and tracking, isolating and supporting type phase, that there could, there could be an important role there. 
Now that's all still to be to be considered and worked through, but clearly thinking about um, the, the response of volunteers, I would I would anticipate that people will will want to support the next steps quite a lot, and and we would certainly see that as very important. As as for the wider third sector, what we've been trying to do is to do a bit of analysis. Um, uh, for example, one of the things we'll be looking at quite closely is Oscar have just closed a, a survey that's had a huge, I understand, has had a huge response from the sector. So, so I'm, I'm very grateful that people have taken, especially when they're so busy, have taken the time to respond to that. That'll be clearly important for us to analyse and see what is that saying about the response, but also the needs ahead to the sector at the same time. So work like that, uh, talking, to, talking to the organisations in the sector, talking to our partners is going to be important to thinking about that, but certainly the policy will be that the third sector's got a huge role to play in the, in the next steps. That's, that's really welcome to hear and, um, and as you say, very welcome that so many organisations have been able to respond to the survey from Oscar about um, their experience of managing um, through this situation and, and I guess um, looking ahead. Um, I wonder whether you will permit me to ask um, a question about your opinion on what impact and, and I you know appreciate we are at very early days and, and our learning is changing so so um, frequently around this but what impact do you feel that this pandemic could have on the third sector? Um, I mean I think as I say I mean I said right at the start that there's clearly a, a very serious um, financial impact um, and and we've you know I think I think we've tried to do our best to kind of mitigate that as much as possible to help people to adapt to that um, but that that's you know the forecasts for the economy are are not strong and therefore it is going to be a tricky a tricky period ahead obviously but I think in terms of other impacts for the sector I think I think in many ways it's it's whilst it's been tough for the sector it's been a very tough period for the sector as it has been for um for for all of us really um it it, it has shown the sector in some ways at its best which is thinking about beneficiaries thinking about the people that it has at heart um and I think that's there's been some inspiring things um, from organisations that have adapted quickly, have thought about it, put their beneficiaries first, and are thinking ahead now to what what they'll need going forward. So there's been I wouldn't want to, but I'm not going to make examples that wouldn't be that wouldn't be appropriate. But from I mean from my point of view, as somebody who worked in the sector a long time, in a sense, what what you would hope would happen in many cases has happened. Um, particularly in, for example, organising the volunteering response, adapting services and so on. And that, that is inspiring and that's something that we want to kind of keep and, and, and grow um, for the future. No, absolutely. I think um, I would completely agree with that. I think the response um, from the third sector has very much highlighted um, to many people across society about the, you know, um, perhaps the often forgotten about, um, you know, sector, the response and, and the, the, um, the range of services and support that's provided. I'm sure it won't surprise you um, to know that we've received some questions about plans for future investment. Um, 
in recognition that the very welcome emergency funding that has been provided by Scottish Government is you know by um, necessity short term in, in um, nature and I wonder whether there is anything you could share with our members about um, Scottish Government's plans for providing you know longer term um, enabling investment that can help to ensure that that you know the range of um, voluntary sector organisations, community-led social enterprise organisations, um, are able to um, begin to think um, about their priorities and and ability to to continue into the future. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's probably important to add that. Um, because one of the points I made at the start was, if you like, thinking about the different legs of what um, third sector unit does now, um, one of the things that we have retained is to make sure that our our own third sector unit budget remains intact. Um, and of course, it's only a fraction of what Scottish Government invests in through the third sector as a critical partner to Scottish Government. Um, but but we've, we've continued with our programmes of, of funding for example, things like the Community Capacity and Resilience Fund, which was very much a grassroots-based fund. So we're, con we're, we're continuing with a big part of that. Um, and the other investment that we make in and through the third sector continues. So whilst there's been a lot of new things, so other things have been continuing and, and, and you know that, that will be the case for now. Um, we've also, in our own area, we made sure to give people early notice of, of, of grant agreements and to make give give people a bit of peace of mind for for a, for a slightly longer term. So again, so a lot, and, and I understand other parts of Scottish government have done have done the same as, as where possible. So so it's important to to remember that there is already a, a significant amount of funding in place. As to anything else that might come down the line, I I, I couldn't say that yet. I don't think. I think um, what's important now is that we're managing the money now, ensuring it gets out there to those that need it. And then, and then, as I say, taking the learning from that, looking at a bit of analysis from that so that it informs whatever the next steps might be. Um, an item of interest, Callum, um, um, you, you, you've, you've mentioned a couple of times about the analysis um, that's needed, I guess, around the response. Um, but as well as the needs and as you know you've, you've touched upon some of the um, um, the work that the sector itself has been doing such as the, the survey that Oscar has developed and um, I wonder what role the third sector will have in, in helping to, um, to inform you um, during that analysis phase and um, um, you know and I guess you know what role organisations like the Alliance will have in, in helping you to reach yeah. the um, you know the, the the third sector in its broadest sense. Yeah, I think I think that potentially could be very important in the next phase. And, and whilst we've not not if you like designed a, a process as such, one one of the things that we are able to do, and, and, and we would be keen to hear about, is a number of organisations like yourselves will have conducted um, surveys or, or or your own type of analysis of of different parts of the sector. And we would be interested in receiving those because we'll be able to do a bit of an, um, of, if you like, to take an overview of those to help inform um, what, what we do next. So we'd certainly be interested in hearing what, what other organisations have been doing so that we can we can look at it too. We would be pleased to receive those. Um, 
I would say there's still work to be done in considering what else might be done, but um, it, it's it's clearly these are unusual times. So some of the things that we, we maybe used to do before where we would ga gather people together for a, for a dialogue and so on, we'll need to consider how, how do we do those things going forward. But certainly talking to people is going to obviously be a part of it and hearing from people about what, what the needs are ahead, not just about what the needs are ahead, but also what what the, the role that the sector can can play. And uh, one of the things I haven't mentioned so far is the decision-making framework uh, that the First Minister launched. And I think that's that's quite helpful to look at because it's, it's almost set out in phases, but also it talks a lot about um, inequalities and how the inequalities that have, if you like, have been deepened by the crisis and by lockdown itself are something that needs to be con considered and acted upon as we try to move out of the crisis where the sector is, is particularly good at tackling inequalities and, and has always played a big role in that. And so I think, you know, hearing about how the sector can play a role in, in the, the decision-making framework and the kind of things it might envisage is going to be really important as well. So we're, we're definitely interested in feedback on that. Okay, that's really helpful. It um, sounds as though that's something that we, we can follow up um, about as well. And it, it sounds like you're um, you know, actively encouraging the third sector to, um, you know, to, to get in touch and to, um, to work together with, with you and, and Scottish Government colleagues around um, the implementation of the decision-making framework. Um, and a couple of final questions. Um, I would be um, I, we'd be interested in hearing from you what your learning has been. Um, you know what what's the learning that you've taken from this situation, and how might that um, impact on the decision making that comes next? Do you think? Um, I think that. Um it, it's, <laughs> I'm just trying to pause and think, have I actually had time to, to, to think properly because it's been so fast? But there again, that's maybe learning in and of itself is that um, sometimes it's important to know when to, to act quickly. And, and I am freely admit I'm a person that's been getting, you know, I've been in Scottish government for eight months. So, you know, adapting to that new environment in the pace of decision making uh, is, is, can be challenging in and of itself. Um, but it, it um, third sector unit is quite a fast. It's quite a fast-paced area anyway. It's a very busy um, area because the sector is, is, as you know, is huge and diverse, and, and it is an important part of the Scottish government. But I think maybe one of the learnings from this this period is is that it is possible to move quickly, and it is possible to um, get collaboration where it may not have been possible before. So I think. Um, you know, colleagues across Scottish Government will want to think what happened there, how can we learn from that and try and embed it um, more as we go forward. If you think about things like the Christie Principles, public service reform, we sit, we now sit inside the public service reform division and that's a great place for us to be because a lot of what's happening just now will be of real value to the next steps in public service reform and things like community empowerment. So because in, in effect, that's what's happened in this period is, is, is there has been a response, an incredible response from the community. So it's important that we understand that and create the best conditions for that to thrive. 
No, I completely agree with you on that. And I think um, one of the things I'm wondering is whether or not this situation might um, alter the way in which people understand the third sector. Um, you know, for, for, for those um, people um, in society who haven't maybe um, had reason to work either in the third okay. sector or to work um, um, you know, as in partnership with a third sector organisation or, or kind of in receipt of any of its services or support, um, you know, th there might not be that broad understanding, as you were saying, about the, you know, its, its reach, um, the, the way in which it is, you know, um, especially skilled in tackling inequalities um, and, and such like. So I, I wonder from your point of view, do you, can you see, um, you know, some of those examples and those stories about the way in which the sector has responded, do you think you can see them coming to the fore? Yes, and that, I think I think that I think it's quite important that they do. You know, so I mean, I think for Scottish government and for pub, for a variety of public bodies, the third sector will have shown up as an as an essential partner now, um, in in perhaps in ways that weren't quite so um, visible before, because of it's often the case with the third sector that you know the bit of the third sector that you might personally relate to if you do. So, but now it's been thrust into the limelight in many ways because of the of, of the amazing response that's come from the sector. So so I think actually the, the point you make there about telling the stories of that is going to be it's, it's actually going to be really important. So organizations like the Alliance, but organizations out there themselves being able to tell that story, that, that's something we'll want to do as well so that we can so that we can illustrate to our colleagues why mm -hmm. the third sector is such an essential partner in this kind of situation but also why it'll be really important to re recovery and, and renewal as well. Um, okay, well, Callum, one last question from me, um, if, if you don't mind. Um, and we're, we're um, finishing off these interviews um, on, uh, I guess, somewhat more of a personal note. And um, I wonder whether um, there's anything that you would want to share with um, listeners about you know, what's helping you to cope um, at the moment with the incredible pressure that the pandemic's placing upon us all as just fellow humans, but, um, but also given the, um, the, you know, the added pressure of, of working in um, government at the moment? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think for a personal level, I mean, there's some bad things to do, like drink too much coffee. I make far too much coffee in the morning and then I drink it all, so that's not good. But there's more positive things like making sure I do make sure I go for a walk every day or a run or a cycle or something like that. And, and those, those kind of some, some breaks and some getting out of the house, no matter what the weather's like, um, it's, it's just really important. I think a lot of people are trying to do that because the kind of the, the thing about working at home all the time is if you're used to working with people, which I prefer to do, it can be quite isolating and so talking to people talking to friends is important too i think so it's a it's a mix of different things and, and less coffee a lot less coffee yes. definitely that's lovely well thank you um um you know on behalf of the alliance and our membership thank you again for your time and your insights um this afternoon um, and for, for um, being so willing to, to kind of commit this time to answering these questions. Thank you. You're Kat. welcome. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye now.